Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 tells us, But you, Bethlehem of Papritha, though you were little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the ruler, the one, the ruler of Israel, whose going forth is from old and from everlasting. That verse, ladies and gentlemen, was written, prophesied, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem 700 years before Mary and Joseph made their journey to Nazareth. It was prophesied already. So here Caesar Augustus, are you getting me? Here we have Caesar Augustus thinking that he has all power. I want the whole world to be taxed. And the whole world moves. He thinks he has power. He does not realize God is simply puppeting him and pulling strings, moving things along on this path called prophecy fulfillment. Hmm. And Caesar thinks he has power. This was already prophesied. That verse was already prophesied 700 years before Mary and Joseph ever began to go. So here, prophecy, listen, history, somebody once said, history is his story. Don't you love that? I wish I had said it. That's a good one. History is his story. You know, President James A. Garfield, he called history the unrolled scroll of prophecy. The unrolled scroll of prophecy. And then Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12, God said through the prophet Jeremiah, I am watching over my word to perform it, promises the Lord. So Caesar didn't realize that he was just a puppet on God's strings to fulfill Bible prophecy. Then notice verse 2 in your Bible, saints. It tells us this census first took place. This census first took place. The idea of first took place has the idea of the first enrollment to distinguish it from other enrollments because using a census for taxation was common in ancient Rome. And archaeological findings have identified this man, Quirinius of Syria, as the governor at this time. Now listen, what I'm going to tell you is very important at this point. Listen to me. At this time, at the time of this writing, when Luke was writing, the Jews, the Jewish people, they still kept strict lineage records because it was related to their inheritance. If a father died, they would inherit the father's possession. Now, you know your history, you know, from 
Bible teaching later on, Herod the Great destroyed all of the records of lineage because he didn't want anybody to be able to identify and to be able to be able to claim to be the Messiah. And that is why, listen, it is very difficult today. Ask a Jewish person, they will tell you. It's very difficult for a Jewish person to know exactly what tribe he is from unless his last name is Cohen. If his last name is Cohen, then he knows that he, his lineage goes back to the Kohathites, which goes back to the Levites, which makes him of the priestly tribe. So if his last name is Cohen, he knows that. Guarantee it. Other than that, they find it very difficult because the records are not there and they're not available. Those with the last name Cohen, they know that they're the tribe of Levi. They're that priestly tribe. And even in Israel today, as a matter of fact, if you've taken a trip with us, you know this. And even in Israel today, this priestly tribe, Israel, Israelis, priests, are preparing for that third temple to be rebuilt. And they're preparing to go back under the law and to go back to the sacrificial systems. And in their preparation, they have prepared everything that's necessary. They have to consecrate the stones. You know, the 12 stones that the high priest wore, they had to be cut and consecrated and set apart. They are on display right now in the Temple Institute in the old city of Jerusalem. They're on display. They've consecrated the, 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 the ash pan that they would have to collect the ashes from the sacrifice in. They've consecrated the wash basin or the lava, and all of these things are ready in place in their preparation for someday when that third temple is rebuilt on the Temple Mount, where the Dome of the Rock Mosque is today, which, by the way, is posing just a little bitty problem in the Middle East right now. Just a small one, that's all. So everything is ready. As a matter of fact, in my study this weekend, I found it interesting, and I didn't even know this, but they are continuing to get ready. I just found this article. I wanted to read you uh, a piece of it. And uh, you can Google this. This is information everybody knows. It's not, not, not no special. Well, anybody can Google this information. And uh, listen to this. They, they, some other articles talking about being ready for this third temple scenario. The article reads, want to be a priest in the new temple? A Jerusalem shop has just the outfit. In a stuffy basement off an old city alleyway in Jerusalem... Tailors using ancient texts as a blueprint have begun making a curious line of clothing that they hope will be worn by priests in a reconstructed temple, the spiritual center of Judaism, destroyed by the Romans in AD 70. The project, run by a Jerusalem group called the Temple Institute, is part of an ideology that advocates making practical preparations for the rebuilding of the ancient temple on the Temple Mount, the holiest place in, Jerusalem, in Judaism and the site of the remains of the last temple, the Western Wall. The past 1,300 years, the site has also been the location of Islam's third holiest shrine, 
the noble sanctuary, including the golden dome of the rock. Article goes on to say the Temple Institute has made priestly garments in the past for display in the small museum. It runs in Jewish quarter of the old city, but those were hand sewn and they cost upward of $10,000 each. The Institute recently received rabbinic permission to begin using sewing machines for the first time, bringing the cost down and allowing them to produce dozens or hundreds of garments, depending on how many orders come in. If you are a descendant of the Jewish priest, a full outfit, including embroidered belt, 32 biblical cubics long, can be yours for about $800. Before the clothes were made, Oh, but I'm sorry, before the clothes we made were to go on display. Now we're engaged in the practical fulfillment of the divine commandments, said Yehuda Glick, the Temple Institute's director, at a ceremony marking the workshop's opening last week. Goes on a little bit and says, The priest made up of descendants of the biblical figure Aaron were an elite group entrusted with the temple and its rituals, such as sacrificing animals and making other offerings to God. The memory of belonging to that class has been preserved by Jews through the centuries. Their most common family name is Cohen, meaning priest. The Temple Institute and similarly minded believers think those modern priests will soon have to resume the rituals of their ancestors in a rebuilt temple. And that by preparing their garments, They are bringing that day closer. It goes on, quite lengthy article. From the moment we see we're ready here. From that moment we see we're ready here. They're ready for, get back under the temple services. The clothes will be ready and the priests can go to work when the time comes. And then finally, the institute is dedicated to recreating the implements used in the temple not only as a historical exercise, but as a way to prepare for its reconstruction and, if possible, the speed of the process. In its 20 years of existence, the Institute has recreated a golden seven-branch candelabra that cost $3 million, as well as harps and altars and containers and incense, and, the all, and it goes on and on and on. My point in telling you that is to tell you this— The rebuilding of the temple is directly connected with the second coming of Jesus Christ. And because we know that the temple, um, that the priests are now ready to, 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 to go back to temple services, we know that somehow, some way, we don't know how it's going to happen, but that temple is going to be rebuilt. Now, to the Jewish mind, the individual who comes along and figures out the dimensions on the Temple Mount, because you've got the Dome of the Rock there, and that's not going to go away. That's a Muslim mosque. That is not going to go away. You blow that thing up, and you will get 1.5 billion enemies just like that. Somebody say amen if you understand what I'm talking about. Would be a problem. So that's not going to go away. Are y'all with me? You tracking with me? Okay. But that temple needs to be rebuilt, and it's going to be rebuilt. And somehow someone is going to come along and figure out dimensions on which both can coexist. And that someone, are you listening? Whoever that someone is, the Jewish people are going to 
hail them. And we know from Scripture that that individual will be known as the Antichrist. Now, there are people who say that Jesus is coming soon. And people say, oh, they've been talking about Jesus is coming soon for 2,000 years and he hadn't come yet. Well, I say, look, if we've been talking about it for 2,000 years and he hadn't come yet, then that means today he is that much closer. (laughs) Somebody wave at me if y'all breathing. All right, you know what I'm talking about. That means he's that much closer. Now, I understand. I do understand people saying, well, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. They've been saying that for 2,000 years. Well, yes, they have been saying that for 2,000 years, but we do know, one, that it is closer, and we know that it is even that much more closer because we begin to take Bible prophecy and line them up and begin to see that what Jesus said and what God said would be the sign of the end times. We now see those things have been in place. And because we can see those things are now in place, then we can say that Jesus is coming soon. Now, I'm telling you all that to tell you this. I believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I believe that it is soon. And if you believe it, you clap your hands. Would you do that? And I believe, and I believe before the second coming, not just because I believe it. I believe the scriptures teach this. Before the second coming, the rapture of the church will take place. Now, if we believe that Jesus is coming soon, and we believe the second coming is near, then that means the rapture could be any minute. The rapture could happen before I finish this sermon. And it probably will at the rate I'm going. (laughs) It could happen soon. I, oh, I love it. I love it. I, I told you, I want to die in the pulpit. I really do. I mean, I want to die preaching. I really do. I remember the time, it was, I think it was about two years ago, I was telling the people I want to die preaching. And the very next day, an article came out in the news of this preacher in Florida who died preaching in the pulpit. He, he really did die preaching. And so I wanted to, I mean, honestly, two ways I want to go. I, I mean, isn't this morbid? I mean, <laughs> But two ways I want to go. Um, I want to go preaching the gospel right here. I just want to be preaching and right in the middle, Jesus loves you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, pa- Pastor must be tired. Is he tired? Yeah, I'm going to be here for the next 30 minutes. Y'all going to fe- realize I'm dead. And would be with the Lord. Or I would love to go be with the Lord and be raptured right here from the pulpit. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'd be trying to hold on to the pulpit, though. I want to take this with me. I'd be like, you know, <laughs> can't do it. But I believe the Lord can come any second. And I'll tell you something. If the Lord comes and all of a sudden, if you should happen to be here and the Lord, the Lord comes and you, you, you discover that there are millions and billions of people that all of a sudden not on the earth, CNN will be reporting this trust. And then, oh my God, oh, well, there's, there's billions and billions of people. We don't know where they are. They're all lost. They all, they must have, they'll probably say we got on a spaceship or something and took off or who knows what they'll say, but they'll, they'll figure out something. But I'll tell you something. If you are still here, you can have my Jeep. Now you're going to get a payment with it, but you can have my Jeep. If you're still here, let me tell you something. If you're still here, first thing you should do, come to church. Come to church. Why? Because I got a Revelation CD series in there. Come to church, go get the Revelation CDs and listen to them because you are going to need to know what happens next. 
Okay, so come to church, get the CDs, give them to your friends, and the next opportunity, give your life to Jesus while you're taking the CDs off the shelf. Because it's going to get ugly and you don't want to really be around for that. But I believe the Lord is coming soon. And we can see that as the priests are getting ready for the temple services. And we can see that, 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 that as they prepare for this, this end times scenario is coming upon us. They've got two Jewish schools, I've come to understand. Yeshivas, they call them. These Jewish schools, and they're for young men with the name Cohen. And they are teaching these young men how to sacrifice animals and, and, and how, and they're actually also, they have a farm. Did y'all know all this? They have a farm for the red heifer. They're raising red heifers and they are important in the uh, sacrificial system. All of those things are important. Jesus is coming soon. I don't know about you, but I'm glad about it. You happy about it? I'm happy about it. I really am. So notice in your Bibles now, let's get back to this. So, so Rome is ruling the world. Here's our scenario. Rome is ruling the world. Caesar Augustus is on the throne. A decree is sent out that all the world should be taxed. Verse four, go ahead and look at it. Joseph and Mary, they make their way to Bethlehem. Mary, ladies, is about eight months pregnant. Ladies, listen. Mary is about eight months pregnant and she has to travel 80 miles on a camel. Now y'all know, ladies, y'all know, I've been told, I don't know, but I've been told. When you about eight months, you about ready to lay your burden down. <laughs> How you feeling? Ready to lay my burden down. I mean, that's tough. Think about this 14 to 16 year old girl having to travel 80 miles on a camel. And then notice the Bible says, when they arrived in Bethlehem, she brought forth. Did you see that? She brought forth in verse seven. She brought forth. I never really saw that before, I guess. She brought forth. No OBGYN, no midwife. She brought forth this 14, 16 year old girl. The implication here is that she delivered, are you getting me? That she delivered her own baby. She bought forth. This 14, 16-year-old girl in a dark place, she brought forth her baby and she wrapped the baby in swaddling clothes and laid the baby in a manger. She's having a baby in a barn and she lays the baby in a manger. You would expect, if an angel tells you you're going to be the mother of the Messiah, you might expect better arrangements, wouldn't you? Don't you think? You might expect, ma'am, I'm... I'm having the Messiah. I'm going to give birth to Messiah in a really nice room. Really nice, better than Western Wake maternity ward. Much nicer than that. You would expect better arrangements, better accommodations. Here, this woman, this girl, she brings forth the Messiah in a barn at night. She wraps the baby in swaddling clothes, lays him in an animal feeding trough. That's a manger. Forget about the nativity scenes you see. A manger is an animal feeding trough made of stone or made of cement. And the reason she's having this baby 
in a barn. Did you notice this in verse 7 as we wrap it up? You notice it in verse 7? The reason she's having the baby in the barn is why? Why? There was no room in the inn. And again, saints, listen, this is not talking about the Holiday Inn. You knew that, didn't you? We're not talking about the Red Roof Inn. We're not talking about the Days Inn, not even a nice inn. There was no room in the inn. Why was there no room? Because there were a lot of people in Bethlehem who had come for the registration. So when they got there, there was no room available for them. So they had to go out into the barn because the city was crowded. You know, I was thinking of this. The reason there's no room in our hearts for Jesus is because it's too crowded. Isn't that true? And I know that feeling. So much stuff going on. We have so many things going on in our lives. It's just crowded. And Jesus is, you know, the Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. Because he's a gentleman. He could kick the door down if he wanted. He could come through the door if he wanted. He's done it before. But he says, I stand at the door and knock. He says, if any man will open the door, I will come in. And I will sup with him and live with him. Jesus said, I'll be with you always. But he can't get in because there's so much junk. You know, I walked out into my garage yesterday, go through my little laundry room in my garage. And um, I got a bunch of junk in my garage. I need to clean that thing. I ain't cleaned that thing out in 10 years. I I saw stuff in my garage. I was like, we still got that. I didn't even know it was still in the house. I couldn't even get out the door. I walked down the two steps. I couldn't get into the garage area because I had to move things out the way. Move the box over here, move the box over there. I had to kick stuff out of the way just to get over to the trash can. And I thought, you know what? Maybe the Lord feels that same way about coming in our hearts. You know, he can't get in because he's got to kick stuff out of the way and you need to clean things out of the way. And isn't this the time of the year where people do spring cleaning? Isn't this the time of year where people say, you know what, I need to get rid of this and get rid of that and get all this junk out and do some spring cleaning? Saints, I submit to you today, I think it's time that we do a little spring cleaning spiritually. Is it all right? I think we need a, I think a little spring cleaning, just a little spring cleaning. Lord, I want to get all this junk out of my life. What junk? Junk, bad relationships. People? Some people are just not good for you. Situations, worry, fear, anxiety, anxiousness, lack of faith, lack of trust, lack of reading your Bible, lack of prayer, lack of uh, uh, intimacy in your marital relationship, lack of spending quality time with the Lord. You know, that's important. I'm learning that. I've got to guard my time. I, gotta, I need some time to just be with me and Jesus. No cell phone. That's really hard for me to do because I'm uh, attached no laptop, no cell phone, nothing. If I don't answer my, you call me, I don't answer my cell phone, just say, well, he must be with Jesus. Amen. Leave a voicemail, I'll call you someday. Because I'm, I'm trying to keep my life clutter free. Are you getting me? Huh? I, just, I just really want to keep room for Jesus. Some of y'all know that story, you know, Christ, my heart, your home. Is that what it's called? Christ, my heart, your home? And uh, it, that's an old one. It's like 20 years old or something. I don't know the story, but it really is very good. If you haven't read it, you should. 
And it just talking about the Lord coming into your life and coming into your heart and being able to be at home there. And before he can do that, um, we need to make room for him. We need to make room for him. And, and that's a choice you make. You know, we talk about the Spirit of God, and it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. We know that. But we also know that God has given us a free will, and God has given us a choice. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. You make that choice. And we also have to make the choice of God, I'm going to spend more time in prayer. I'm going to spend more time in fellowship. I'm going to spend more time reading your word. I'm going to spend more time with you. And, and, and I'm going to spend less time watching TV. I'm going to spend less time playing Wii. See, thank you, Lord, I touched on something right there. I know I, I felt it. <laughs> I'm going to spend less time with all this junk so I can make room for Jesus in my heart. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.